Hello, welcome back to Solomon's Temple. This episode, we're picking up where we left off, part three of the occult series on astrology. The first episode was the essentials about the 12 zodiac signs. The second part was dealing with the planets and how they correspond with the signs. This episode will just be a focus on what the planets do in the houses and where they are in the signs. So it'll be Mercury in Sagittarius in the third house, and we'll go over what that is supposed to imply. Houses are where the energy and where the persona happen, like where they take place. So we'll first go over real fast what the houses are and in what sign. The first house is in Aries. This is a house where it's authoritative. It is what it is. I am. It's active. It's demanding. And it's uh, full of action stimulus but it's also about identity, sort of a purification and simplification of the matter. The second house is Taurus, which is a stability, I stabilize. It's the highest form of mentation. It's the most reliable, reliable, you feel me? It also deals with the finer things in life, the aesthetic qualities, the, uh, the cra fine craftsmanship and building. The third house is Gemini, which is knowledge principle and duality. It is communication, so that involves the ability to psychically transmit your ideas to someone else. And so it's an apprehension of meaning, but it's also the organization of language and thought form and argument. The fourth house is the house of the house. It's like the ultimate house. It's the home. It's about the home and protection. And it's also about being comforted, being uh, emotional and feeling, but also ruled by the moon, your feelings in solitude. The fifth house is Leo, which can correspond to pride, having pride in yourself, being center stage, also just being, being itself in general, the essence of what it is to take pride in yourself. You could also be dealing with children or raising children, but also just pleasure and having fun. The sixth house is Virgo of service and analysis and even teaching. I think it's also a house of uh, empathy, that sharing feelings, sharing a connection, having an, an understanding, at least mentally and even physically, understanding what people are going through. And it's also the house of uh, health. The seventh house is Libra. Libra is the scales, so it deals in justice, the courthouse, or just a balance in general, a harmony ruled by Venus. The eighth house is Scorpio. This is the, uh, the death sign, the end of one cycle and the beginning of another one. So it could mean transformation, the transformation of one thing to another. I also see it as sort of a sign that deals in contracts as well. And it could be signified as a bit of an intense energy, but it's very profoundly deep and about connection as well and loyalty. The ninth house is Sagittarius, the archer, the house of law and philosophy. I think it's also a house of reintegration, of changing your mind and having an expansive discussion and taking on new ideas. It could also be about travel as well. The 10th house of Capricorn is a house of control. Significant to Capricorn would be to use things or to utilize. It's a house of karma and productive efforts as well. The 11th house of Aquarius is an embodiment of group. It's also a house of embodiment, embodiment of a time. It's an overall approach. It's an overall state of being in terms of the many of us and what we're going through. A, collect, a collective union, 
of what it is. So it's like an honest truth about everything overall, but it's also everything overall, which isn't completely on board with each other. So there's sort of like a karmic element to that because it is ruled by Saturn, but it's also about friendship. The 12th house is Pisces and Pisces is a health of faith. You could say religion and just artistic and creative pursuits as well. And the subconscious. So wherever the sign is and the house it's in, whatever house that sign is in and wherever that planet is, is sort of where that signage takes place or where that energy is being put. It's like, where does it go or where is it at? So it's, it's, it's sort of a, a, a placement of, of like it's spatially related or it happens within these circumstances. And the only way I seek to kind of uh, show you what I mean by this is just by going over my astrological chart. So I'm a Virgo rising. So that is the place in which the sunlight hit the horizon in what sign on the, on the same day that I was born. So the following sunrise. And that was Virgo for me. So I am a Virgo rising sign. That's the first house it starts in Virgo. So in essence, that is like my second identity because that's where what I, I believe to be most of the time. That's where I initially start with most things. Like on first glance, I, I, util, I utilize, um, that's, my, that's like my go-to if that makes sense. Like that's where I take it with anything, when I encounter almost anything. And they say that uh, the first part of your life is sort of more about this. So that's uh, how I approach most things. That's my general identity because uh, it's in the first house. So I'm like a Virgo when I approach most things I encounter. I am like a Virgo. I'm contemplative. I could be rather hermit-like and, and, and analyze it or maybe overthink things upon first glance and that's what I am. But you also go from there. It's not where you start and stop. <laughs> but that's the, the first impression. It's lasting. So that's that's generally the power of the first house is is that that first what you are when you encounter most things so whenever you have something within uh, the first house is is what you encounter most often uh, in the second house i don't have any planets but it is in libra so it's like uh in, to take place within taurus as libra would sort of be like i like my scales to stay stable i do not like to rock my, i don't like like how people rock the sense of, of justice very much. I tend to stay away from people that are one-sided. And I think I have a real stable sense of what is just. Even if it's not a very expansive one, even though I am very Sagittarian, I do like not to venture too far away from the frameworks. So my Libra sense of self, even though it's empty of planets, is in fact taking place within a stable, sturdy, practical foundation. I do have a planet in the second house. It is Venus, but it's in Scorpio, so it overlaps. So my what I want my love to take place is I want it to be very loyal and intense. I want it to last forever. I want to give everything over to it and bond on a very profound, deep level. It may be a, a little bit jealous or uncertain about the partnership. It can be, I can be hurt pretty badly more so. And I feel like also my sense of justice is being rocked a little bit because I feel like I'm giving too much, even though I don't mind doing that. But in, in essence, it is in the second house. So I want it to remain stable. I want a partner that stays within what they say and act in a way that shows me that they are committed to me. So it's, a, it's probably one of the, the most stable love signs to have Venus and in what house so my love is very stable 
And I think that's why the number 40 or the number four also resonates very well. Now I have Mars, Mercury, and the sun in the third house of Gemini and it's all in Sagittarius. So most of, of my energy that I'm using with my mind, Mercury, my activity and my sense of identity is Mars, is being highly driven in the mode of within my ego, also alongside my ego, the sun, within Sagittarius. So I, you know, I'm very, very into philosophy. Uh, that's where I do most of what I have done since I was 19. Because it is sort of a mature discipline, but that doesn't mean I haven't been on the lookout and have been wanting to expand my view and sense of of identity and self within this life. And I think having Mercury in the third house makes me want to share everything I learn. So that's why it's very much communication like this podcast, Mercury in the third house, and it's about philosophy. So I am doing all this stuff in a communicable way or in the sense of where Gemini would be. So I'm like a Sagittarius style Gemini in a, in a sense. That's that's where it takes place. So it being in the houses sort of makes you a little bit of that quality of that type. Um, generational planets like Neptune and Uranus are in Capricorn. And I think for the past, like, I don't know, like eight to 10 years or eight to 12 years, those planets kind of go through the sign. So it takes a while for some of these planets. I think it takes more from Neptune than Uranus, or Uranus is a little more. And at some level, on some level, there's years for them to pass through. Maybe almost five to eight years, or something like that, for for Neptune or Uranus to get get through a sign. And so, me and a lot of my friends have the same placements. Anywhere from someone who's like 24 to like 31 would probably share those placements: Uranus and Neptune in Capricorn, and they're in the fourth house. So there's a tendency for Uranus, my ideals and everything and what I value and what I believe that those items in existence, somehow they belong more to being in my house, that I deal with these things more in solitude or in, in the comfort and protection of my own house, that I deal more here. Unless it's within like a house of worship or, or something like that, but I, I deal with this stuff from home under the protection and comfort of my own house where i feel emotionally balanced and blessed or i deal in a setting that belongs more to the family when concerning these matters so it could just be like a relationship or a family psychiatrist or or something like this like that's what those two planets within the fourth house was sort of suggest at where do you put those energies dealing with the the greater sense of your being as it relates to your ideals and your belief systems and also your greater psychic phenomena your psychology the things that shape and warp the way you perceive and deal with and feel your life through it could be a very good place to have those things in order to work with because it's in the fourth house of cancer which deals with feelings so it could be a really good thing to have those there I'm also an ascending node of Capricorn, which is the north node, which is sort of the south node being in Cancer. That's where I start out. That's that's mostly what my character type is like. You know, being a crybaby, so to speak, would be this placement. And then becoming a lot more hard-shelled and tough as life goes on. Become more like a Capricorn, a lot more practical, headstrong, in control of their environment, work-related. Just more of a brick shithouse with a, <laughs> without a... a better word for it so and i have planets in aquarius saturn and the moon i have saturn in the fifth house saturn deals with restrictions and boundaries 
and karma, and I have it in the fifth house of Le of Leo, which corresponds with Leo. So I've, I've had trouble in education. Like I, I mentioned in that one episode, like in the case studies, they wanted to put me in special ed, but I am certainly not special ed. I had an issue dealing with school. There was a delay in my school, and of course I got progressively better as the years went on with my my schooling and it did take a while to get through college and I still think I'm probably going to study a little bit more for something within the next few years so my schooling didn't finish at 26 like most people that have a profession it's going to happen at 32 or 33 or later sometimes if Saturn's in a debilitative sign, probably never, but Saturn is in its co-rulership of Aquarius. I'm sure I'll come out quite nicely and, and succeed quite famously, but there's a delay there. But there's also sort of a delay or a restriction on having fun or having a child. Like, I'm not ready to be a father yet. I have a restriction there on that capacity. I don't feel like I'm ready to have a child, and that's kind of how that manifests. And then I also have the moon in Aquarius, so my sense of emotions within Aquarius, sort of unfeeling, problem-solving, it's in the sixth house. Now, I've always had sort of anger towards people close to me because I sort of let in and let all the unhealthy things and all the little details get to me about my friends and everyone else I encounter. And I think I take that to heart and then I really reflect on it when I'm alone in my room. And sometimes it sabotages my sense of well-being within friendships because I'm dealing in, in a more withdrawn, reflective mind that is precipitating on the bad things. But it's also, I'm an Aquarius moon, so I, I definitely value my friendships, but I have this ability to keep what is sick for me around or keep secret enemies around or not stand up to the things that are bothering me, whether friends, family, or anyone else. I just sort of bottle it up and I let it happen, but I let it stick around. So it's sort of also, there's this secret holding on to the bad things that are unhealthy for me. And I keep them and I bring them home with me by myself but I don't do anything about them. I just precipitate on them and don't really address them. Or that I, there's sort of a sense of letting the enemies stay around or the negative thoughts linger in my head. So yeah, I tend to reflect by myself in my room about my friends, about people close to me in groups, people I encounter, and I go through the details of them and hermit out on them and precipitate and analyze it. And it sort of makes things worse. So there's this, this idea of unconditional servitude towards friends and I re reflect on how they wrong me in that regard. In our, so you see how that kind of relates. But you can kind of go through that once you start understanding what the signs are about and what the energy of the planets are. And then wh where it's taking place, you can sort of identify how they may interact. And they interact with a myriad kind of ways. So there, that's the complexity of that. And then, of course, when you get in more into astrology, you're dealing with trines and special talents and affinities and squares, which are like obstacles and opposition and what this is supposed to mean and when planets are close to each other, what that's supposed to do. And you'd have to really just look all that stuff up because there's such a nuance to the effects. Like where the planets are right now are having effects on each other and they're sort of unfolding within the moment. And so it's interesting to just look at your daily horoscope as well, but also to just sort of have a uh, memorize your chart and understand if you're aligned with you. Because if you're not, you're sort of neglecting your own path. Why, why neglect your own path? Life is relatively short. And I'd like to unfold the entirety of my pattern and get where I want to be in life and not stagnate on bad friendships or something like that. I've had to learn those hard lessons over and over again. Well, that about does it for this episode. I, I hope that helped out a little bit. Um, I will see you next time. Bye-bye.